Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway Christian Church here in Greater Nashua, New Hampshire, and we are on day 23 of a 40-day journey where we're learning and praying about how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom so God might use us to help His kingdom come and His will be done on earth in your sphere of influence as it is in heaven. Within our series, we are focusing on how ministry overflows from our ever-deepening life with God. And to get a picture of ministry from the perspective of getting heaven in the people, we're looking at Psalm 23 and six key aspects of what I call Psalm 23 ministry. Today, we're looking at the fourth quality, faithful resistance. Now, Psalm 23 isn't a text that's simply for our comfort. It issues a firm warning that in our efforts to follow the good shepherd, we will face spiritual resistance. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's not that there isn't an evil to fear. There is evil. And even though it is a reality until Christ returns, we need not allow it to have dominion over us. The psalmist says, God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. This is indicative that as we attempt to follow and serve God, we will be met by enemy opposition. Often when we think of enemies to our faith, we think of non-Christians or secular cultural values or persecution from those outside of the faith. But think of whom Jesus was most persecuted by. Who plotted against him? It was the religious I was recently struck by this in reading John chapter 15. That's the vine and the branches passage. But after that, in verses 18 through 25, Jesus says this. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, They would not have sin, but they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, as readers, up until about verse 25, the final verse I read, we're under the impression that the world Jesus is referring to is probably the pagan world. 
the secular world. But by mentioning their law, the world Jesus is referring to is the world in which he was born and lived, the world of Galilee and Jerusalem. It was the world that thought of itself as God's people. I mention this because as we endeavor to get heaven in the people, heaven into our churches, we will not simply face resistance from the secular world, but we will likely even face more resistance from those who share many of the same Christian beliefs that we do. Now, amid such a divided world, I'm convinced that the main way the enemy is working to thwart the spread of God's kingdom here in America is through the assaults and withdrawal of other Christians driven more by fear, threat, or insecurity rather than agape love. And that's not just of others who are guilty of that, that's, that's also me. For us to follow the Good Shepherd, we must expect strong headwinds to blow in our faces, even from those who share very similar beliefs. I don't believe these headwinds come necessarily because other Christians are malicious, but wounded, fearful, and are unconsciously acting from a place of woundedness. And if we're following the way of Jesus faithfully, with integrity and freedom, we will likely face resistance and distraction potential passive aggressiveness from other believers who are unknowingly allowing the enemy to use them, maybe to use you or me if we're not vigilantly careful. Now, this shouldn't surprise us because even even when Jesus' disciple Peter was challenging Jesus' calling to suffer and die, Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. That seems harsh and extreme, but Jesus seemed acutely aware of just how the enemy can get a hold of a fellow believer to thwart the spread of kingdom presence here on earth. Now I share this not to beat up on the church. I love the church and I have given my life to serving the local church and I am a part of the local church. I share this to make us aware to keep our focus resolutely on Jesus and the mission he has called us to, even when that means being thought of negatively by other believers. And if you are living the way of Jesus, I can assure you that is going to happen. So let me offer a few resistance strategies so that you might as fully and faithfully continue to follow Jesus and minister for him. First, be still. I come back to Psalm 4610 again and again in my life. Be still and know that I am God. Over the years, I have become convinced of the reality that stillness before God brings stability out of chaos. And when we find ourselves undermined or attacked, whether passively or actively by fellow believers or others, Stillness before God helps to make sense of the situation, reminding us that we are not on our own, but God is with us. So first, be still. Secondly, pray. A prayer that I pray at least on a weekly basis comes from the Celtic Christian tradition. And here's the prayer. I invite you to pray it along with me. Christ is a light. Illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield overshadow me. 
Be with me wherever you may send me. Guide me through the wilderness, protect me through the storm, and bring me home rejoicing at the wonders you have shown me. So may Christ, in the midst of resistance, be your light to illumine and guide you, to be, his, to be your shield, to overshadow you, guarding you, protecting you, guiding you. Thirdly, share the resistance you are feeling with others. Sometimes we might feel ashamed uh, about this, or we might feel like we are gossiping if we talk about how others might be wounding us, but I believe it is necessary to find a trusted, confidential person who you can allow to get inside what you are feeling. Because when we allow things to remain in the dark, I believe the enemy can have his way. But sharing about whatever struggles or resistance you are feeling can bring light. And in that light, there is freedom, there is hope, there is strength. God's empowering presence seems to embolden us, to enable us to endure and persevere and forget what is behind so that we can press on toward the goal heavenward in Christ Jesus, as Paul says in Philippians 3. And then uh, fourthly, see people who are opposing you from God's perspective. When I remember that perhaps the people that might be undercutting me or undermining me are loved by God. They are sinful yet image bearers of God who are probably saying and what they are doing, not from a place of malice, but a place of woundedness, it enables me to have compassion on them. That doesn't mean I allow myself to become a doormat for them, but the eyes of compassion can help heal the woundedness that believers inflict on other believers. And it also can help us press on. And lastly, hope that God, as Psalm 23 talks about, wouldn't merely prepare a table before you in the presence of enemies, but that he'd transform you to be the kind of person who could invite those who have opposed you to the meal. That's getting heaven in the people. That's God's kingdom coming into your life, into your relationships. So tomorrow, we're going to look at ministry from the overflow. But let me finish today by prayerfully reading through Hebrews 12, 3 as an emboldening encouragement for you to press on, for you to practice faithful resistance, no matter how hard the headwinds are blowing, to assure you God's with you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. 
Grace and peace be with you, friends. We'll see you soon.